Thank you, Jesus, for life. Thank you for a body that stands up for life, that believes in life, that believes in saving lives, the sanctity of life, for adoption, right? So many different things. And thank you for grace and redemption and reconciliation for Sue and those others who are here who, who made choices, who, who, who made mistakes, but God, right? And suddenly, so thank you, Jesus. Hey, kids, you're dismissed. Um, kids, kin- under kindergarten, you go out, turn left, you need checked in by an adult. First, kindergarten through fifth goes out, turns right. Kindergarten through fifth, go out, turn right. Adults will help you figure out your lefts and rights if need be. We still work on that, even with my almost 16-year-old daughter. Turn left, Chloe. Which left? Anybody else been there? Sometimes I have to do that with Nicole. Like, Nicole, your other left. But man, how amazing is Jesus? Amen? Yes. Missed you guys last week. Um, I was at a training and a seminar and uh, just tuned in online on the way home and got to watch online. And uh, man, Nicole did a great follow-up. Um, she, she, she blamed me for stealing the message on Psalm 23. I don't know about you, but I believe it's the Lord's message. It is his word. So, um, but then she just stole part of Psalm 24 for me today. Uh, the title today is going to be Invitation, and it's cool. I heard uh, Emily reference Invitation. I just heard Sue say there's an open invitation today. So that's going to be what we're going to do. Uh, but let me buy some time while parents get back in and people get settled in and uh, get that, that last bathroom break and different things. Uh, we'll get to some dad jokes here. But I heard there's some back-to-garden groups going on. And how many are in a back-to-the-garden group? There's a bunch of you. And... Uh, Man, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is high priest, and Jesus is returning, right? It's good stuff. I heard their fire. I heard I had somebody text me this week. These things, the revelation in this is amazing. Can I meet with you? I want to share. And uh, so that day didn't work out, but I can't wait to hear from Braden and what the Lord's touching his heart in uh, in that group. Um, but man, what an incredible couple weeks. What an incredible way to, to start the year. And uh, I know there's tons of you watching online right now because of the weather. Those of you, you, you endured the treacherous conditions. You, nothing was going to stop you getting to church today. So congratulations, you win, you won it. We are from Ohio, we are Ohio strong, right? I even see some people that came from the south, and I know I-75 was real dicey coming up from the south and Dayton area. So thanks for, for making that journey, I heard. So, um, and man, it's good to be here. So you guys ready for some dad jokes? They're biblical dad jokes. Shout out to Daniel for taking care of our parking lot and sidewalks. I saw Jeff Burke out helping him. So, and now we're going to call Daniel on the stage to leave his testimony. Just messing with him. I mess with him enough, it'll be like Zach, and then eventually he will come up here and share his testimony. So uh, anyway, it's good to be back here. I missed you guys last week, and uh, so let's get on with this. What was Moses' wife, Zephora, known as when she'd throw dinner parties? The hostess with the Moses. Okay, this one's for all you fit people out there, all you CrossFitters, all you you, uh, weight junkies. Which Bible character was super fit? Absalom. What did God's people say when food fell from heaven? Oh, manna. Oh, manna. Manna. What did pirates call Noah's boat? The ark. How are babies and those who attempted to build the tower to heaven similar? They all babble. What kind of car would Jesus drive? Don't say Honda Accord. That's old. That's old news. This one's a Chrysler. Chrysler. All right. This one's for the real estate agents in the house. There's a few of them. All right, what did Daniel tell his real estate agent? I'd prefer a house without a den. (laughs) Who in the Bible knew the most people? Abraham knew a lot. Abraham knew a lot. All right, two more. This is for the baristas in the house and those who may have something to do with Grounds for Pleasure Coffee Shop. How did Joseph make his coffee? He brewed it. He brewed it. All right, fine, last one. This, could, this, this one could, you could do a lot with, all right? You could go, like, how many, like, how does God like people coming to basketball games, all that stuff. But here's how it says. 
How do you know Pharaoh was athletic? He had a court. But like, you know, you enter his gates and praise, Thanksgiving courts with courts. So you could go a lot of that. I don't know. I think. not be the best fit for everybody and but there is a church out there that is and uh recently in in a little bit of a text thing uh, with a guy why are there so many churches why are there so many differences and 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 it's kind of like restaurants i don't like going to the same one and the ones i like might not be the ones you like and i said if we could land on unity and not judging one another and if we're preaching from the same bible and jesus is messiah crucified and returning we're good and I always use the example of Nicole's grandparents, grandpa when he was alive, but now grandma. She goes to this traditional Church of the Brethren church in Pleasant Hill. She loves it. She's engaged in community there. She loves to visit here, but we are way too loud for her. We are way too charismatic for her, all right? But she is in a great place where she is fed and growing, and, and I love that. Okay, so we, we invite you to that uh, with some caution. Uh, he, he brings life with him and brings a little bit of us out of our comfort zones and how many are okay to go out of your comfort zone. So today I'm actually going to bring light to that. And I just want to share some things on my heart and some things that may that you see here, that's things that may happen, but, but really an invitation to maybe get uncomfortable. An invitation to maybe come outside of some of our theological boxes, right? Jesus is outside the box from Christmas, our series, uh, that he might actually move in a realm that we may not have grown up around, that we may not have demonstrated or experienced as children or in our churches growing up, or, or even maybe none of us, some of us don't have any church experience. We are many people's first church experience. And, uh, and I just want to let you know that we're going to get to Revelation today where it says don't add anything, don't take anything away from the word. And we want to make sure that we stay in the context of the word, the absolute truth of the Bible. And we never want to move outside of that. And we, we never, it's, it's cool to be weird. It's cool. We, we're called his peculiar people. But we also know that there is order. We also know that there is still within the, the context of biblical truth. So that's some of the things I'm going to reveal today. So we're actually just going to start in Psalms 23. We haven't been there recently, so I thought I'd go there again. Those of you who haven't been with us uh, since the beginning of the year, we felt like the word for the year was Psalms 23, and uh, we, we dissected that and kind of cast vision into that for the year. Uh, go back a couple weeks. You can listen online. It's called Promises and Provision, and it's from Psalm 23. It's what we're pressing into this year as a body, as a people, uh, in our home personally, at least my wife and I and kids. And uh, so I want to just read this one verse and kind of take from there and go. Nicole um, went deeper in some areas last week in Psalm 23. You can check hers out too. I think um, hers was probably better than mine. I know that she got way more affirmation than me at least. I put my heart and soul into this, folks. And I drop these words that I think are fire. And I get like maybe a text or two. She, she brings this little dainty word this practical word that's really really good and solid and like her phone's blowing up facebook's blowing up the most viewed i'm like really i'm not jealous i don't cover cover i don't i'm good promise psalms 23 and uh yeah we're being invited to to be healed today there's an invitation for healing today Psalms 23.3, he restores my soul. Everybody say that. He restores my soul. All right? It goes on to say, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? His. When I'm righteous, I bring his name glory. I bring honor to the Lord, right? But we're going to focus just on that very first part. He restores my soul. All right? There's a Hebrew word on soul, uh, nafshi, it's, a, it's soul, a living being, life, passion, self, person desire appetite emotion now now think of that soul soul sometimes will think he restores my spiritual soul no no it's like it's this broad term of he restores my passion 
He restores my life. He restores my, my, my desires and my emotions. He restores my spirit. It's this all-encompassing word where he restores my entire being, okay? So, so here we go, and I want to just mention and, and kind of come from this place from a shepherd's perspective. Nicole mentioned last week that we're reading this book Steve Bowen got us, and it's a cool book. It was written by a shepherd who's a believer, and he goes through verse by verse. There's six chapters, six for the six verses of so Psalm 23. And he's from a, it's a shepherd writing this. And he shares this thing where David will continually, through Psalms and throughout, talking about being cast down or, or to cast down people. Or at times when he's down in the dumps, you'll see some of his Psalms are, are a little like, Lord, I'm cast down, but I find hope in you. Right? There is something, there is a real term in the shepherding world with sheep of a cast down sheep or a cast sheep. Anybody know what it is? It's a sheep that actually um, rolls upside down. And they're up, legs are up, and they can't do anything about it. And there's sometimes a few purposes that cause it. Sometimes their wool gets so shaggy and so thick and so hardened that sometimes they're immobile or they'll get caught and they'll actually fall down. Sometimes it's because they go to a comfortable place, a crevice, a little dip or depression in the ground. They'll lay down there, and then all of a sudden they can't get back up. And what do you think a sheep does when they can't get up? They panic. They go absolutely nuts. And then they work themselves more upside down, and their legs are flailing. They're panicking. These gases begin to build up in their belly, all right? And all of a sudden, it could be within hours that that sheep dies. If it's sunny out, that sheep will die within hours. If it's rainy and cool, they have a little bit more time, sometimes up to a day or two. But that sheep cannot get back up on its own, especially once panic sets in, fear sets in, or those gases start to build up. So a good shepherd is always constantly, aggressively, attentively watching the flock. And all of a sudden, if they see a sheep go off or they start to hear the bleats or they see buzzards circling, they know they probably have a cast down sheep. So they will frantically run, no matter how far it is that they see those buzzards, and look to see if that sheep or a sheep is cast down or cast an upside down, because they know it could be minutes before that sheep dies. And then all of a sudden, they begin to tend to that sheep, and they begin to work that sheep. They start by laying them on their sides. They start massaging their muscles and rubbing their belly and trying to get those gases out. Then they flip them over on their feet, and they have to straddle them and hold them until they can bear their own weight. And they begin, they continue to massage and they continue to awaken them and calm them down. And then within minutes, typically, that sheep can run off and it goes straight back to the flock. Doesn't that put into context that God will leave the 99 to pursue the one? And let me just tell you this. At times, we think when he leaves the 99 to pursue the one and we fell and we got comfortable or, or we let things go and then all of a sudden we end upside down in world or upside down in sin or upside down in distance with him, that he's angry with us. No. This guy in his book, he expresses his absolute gratitude and his absolute celebration when he's able to save that sheep's life because it was moments away from death. That's us, guys. No matter where you've been or how far you were there, at times we slip down and we get into that crevice or that little dip or, or that little low in life, all of a sudden a good shepherd, he is the good shepherd, picks us up, rubs us, and begins to get us back on our feet so we can just run back for the kingdom and a purpose. I believe today that this becomes an invitation going into verse 20 in chapter 24. Let's, let's go there. And I'm just going to stick with one through six for now because Nicole spoiled the rest. Just kidding. I can, I, can, I can tease her so hard today. She's in kids' class teaching. And then I'll just check to see if she listened online. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. If you remember two weeks ago when I spoke and launched this vision, we ended here. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Here's the invitation. Here's the invitation. is Who will climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? It gets into only those with, whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Now, now this is, again, we put sin in perspective a couple weeks ago. This, this isn't talking to the people that are, are earnestly pursuing the Lord with the right heart. It's, it's talking about those who will consciously live in sin and consciously pursue that and not give a rip about Jesus. 
Listen, I, I, I love the Lord with all of my heart, but I still fall short and I sin. I still, now I am redeemed by the blood. My sin was canceled. I still fall short, but I am redeemed, and there was a high priest that set me apart. Amen? And I get to walk upright, and I get to walk righteous, even though I may stumble a little bit occasionally. It says then, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have right relationship with God the Savior. Now, we gave you the cards a couple weeks ago, and on them said three things, worship, communion, and Sabbath. It says this, such people may seek you. I want to be a people that seeks the Lord. There is an invitation for those of us who want to, to seek him. And those who seek him will what? Find him. Those who knock on the door, what's the door going to do? Open. And worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. We will seek him and we will get to worship him. How many love worshiping Jesus? Good. You're in good training for heaven because that's all we're going to do. It's going to be fun. We're going to burn out on a t- with Italian cars on streets of gold, live in mansions, and worship Jesus. That, pretty much those three things. I think a Lambo's waiting for me. It's orange. It's going to be fun. Don't care about it here on earth, but I want it on streets of gold, okay? Just kidding. None of that matters because we're going to be in such a realm in all of Jesus that literally nothing else matters. So there's this invitation to ascend the hill. There's this invitation for those of us who seek him and worship him that all of a sudden heavens are going to open up. Let let me go to Ezekiel 47. We're just going to work through some some invitations today. I feel like this is the invitation of the Lord that that those of us who want to, I, I think... I think to a degree, everybody wants to go deeper in the Lord, deeper in their walk with the Lord, and, and deeper in, in the spirit, and deeper in things that maybe they've not been experienced or, or exposed to. But I think sometimes there is a healthy like fear, like, okay, but I don't know. I think sometimes that's the Lord pacing you of what you're ready for. Now, I believe all gifts are meant for all people, Okay. Now, I, I want to make sure we, we put that out there. Holy Spirit that we're going to get into later pours out gifts, and they're for all of us. And he says, earnestly desire them, like seek them, want them, passionately pursue them, right? So, but there's this thing to where maybe, um, may, maybe there's a stage of milk, right? And we're not ready for meat yet. The babies, the babies in classes right now, they're, they're getting milk. Yesterday in my house, we, we've been practicing Sabbath, and I can't wait uh, to start that series. We're probably going to start that in February and really go deep into what that is as a body and what it is biblically um, and invite you in on some things that may be beneficial to you. But yesterday, part of our study as a family was Samson. And, and I began to ask them, where, where, how did he lose his strength? His hair. No, no, I don't believe so. I believe that was the final thing where he lost his strength, but I believe he lost his strength as a Nazarite picking up a jawbone of a donkey when he wasn't supposed to touch dead animals and he was in compromise. So we begin to study this and begin to do a little bit more and more. Maybe Hadassah's language was a little bit different than Chloe's language of what part of that story where we went deep. And, and with the older girls, we're talking about compromise now is maybe trying to impress that friend and trying to, to live up to their standards and fearing that friend more than you do the Lord. Because eventually it's a party and it's alcohol or it's sex or or whatever it might be. Because we pretty much openly talk about much of this with our kids. But Hadassah, she's probably not ready for that version. And I believe the Lord and his grace and his mercy and his gentleness and his kindness and his goodness, he will take us to what we're ready for. But there is an invitation here, and I believe it's laid out well in Ezekiel 47 when it talks about the river of God, the river of life, or the river of healing. All right, and let's, let's just read parts of it. Are you good if I get into some, some, some big word today? I'm gonna, I might paraphrase because I've got like seven chapters ready to go. And I text the media team all seven chapters, and I'm like, we'll see what time allows. I might have to paraphrase. So let's, let's go down here, and we're going to talk about a big portion of this vision. This is Ezekiel, a priest. He's having these visions, and he records it, and it says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on the south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was to my ankles. He measured off that same distance and led me across. This time the water was up to my knees. The same distance was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet and the river was too deep to walk across. 
It was deep enough to swim in and too deep to walk through. I believe there's this invitation to like, to go deep. If, if like maybe we're ankle, so we're gonna go knee. Maybe some of us, we're just gonna dive in. Like take me to the deep end, take me to the high dive, let's go for it, right? But I think sometimes it's okay to wade in and experience the Lord. And sometimes that slow journey, those slow encounters, those slow things are sometimes better with time than that quick blast. I'm open to both. I like both. I got saved through the quick blast. I felt Jesus' power. I felt Holy Spirit. I encountered Holy Spirit through, through baptism of Holy Spirit. And I, I, I believed in God from that moment forward. Prior to that moment, atheist. I believe in those encounters and those moments and that, that impactful, powerful encounter. But I also believe in the journey. I also love the process. Let me move on here. After we go deep, then this is what, what was his experience. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. I love this because the river of God, here's the benefits. Here's what we get in the river of God. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. Everybody say fresh and pure. There will be swarms of sea fresh, uh, oh sorry, there will be swarms of living things wherever the water in the river flows. So what was dead is now to life. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from the Engedi to the Inglim. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they filled the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. They will always be bear fruit in their branches, on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be the food and the leaves for healing. Okay, Revelation 22. Go there with me. really just pointing this out let's paraphrase this one almost 650 to 700 years later john the beloved has the same vision of basically the same river last chapter of the bible all right we're talking nearly 700 years later now many of us we've mistaken the book of revelation as a fear fear book to scare people uh to scare the hell out of people when really this was a gift, this vision, this book, this vision and, and what, it, what it has was a gift given to John the Beloved as a gift of an open heavens experience. This book was never intended as a fear tactic to scare people into heaven and scare them away from sin. It was to get love of a father, love of a savior, love of a Messiah, love of a mighty one, counselor, prince of peace into them to see this this book in Revelation is what we get to experience, and it's the invitation for eternity through Christ. So we get here, and almost 700 years later, a different person is basically seeing the same, very similar or same exact river flowing from the throne. Let, let's go back now to, to 1 Corinthians. Let me just talk about the river. God intends for river to flow out of us. See, swamps, they're meant to be dead. They're stagnant. No, no water flows, right? We're not meant to be a swamp. We're meant to be a river. Even in the gospel, it says that rivers shall flow out of our bellies, right? Rivers of living water shall flow out of us because Jesus is flowing in us. Something has to flow out. When his spirit gets in us, it's for us. When it gets upon us, it's for others, there's an account of, of Acts and Acts 1, Acts 2, where the Spirit comes upon them. In Matthew, there's a promise that says, John the Baptist baptized for repentance, but somebody's coming greater to baptize you in fire and Spirit. There's this thing to where there's this promise where the Spirit comes upon me, the Spirit comes in me, the Spirit comes upon me. And, and now we get these other invitations here. And I want to just mention the spiritual gifts because we believe in their operation here. We believe in the fullness of the Spirit at Upper Room. I did a, an, a, a pretty bigger depth study that I can, than I can do today. In May of 2021, you can go back. There's four or five weeks on Holy Spirit. You can find it in any of our media sources. But for the sake of time, I can't go into each one of those. 
we believe here that Holy Spirit is the third part of the Godhead. There's Father. Father created the universe. There's Son, right? Redeemed, put on earth as God in flesh, right? Fully God, fully man. Died on a cross, was crucified, was resurrected, and he's returning. Okay? We, we believe then Holy Spirit was, was left, it, it, but, but we, we sometimes get wrapped up on this mystical thing that Holy Spirit was not here until Jesus left the earth. Go back to Genesis as his spirit hovered over the waters. It's this concept of, of what some people call the Trinity or, or, or the one God concept that, that there is God three in one, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But many churches and many of us have grown up to where Holy Spirit we've not been exposed to. It's something that we may not preach against, but we're not going to preach it because we don't know. It's mystical. It's, it's weird. And, and it attaches to stuff like this. I want the fullness of the gospel. I want the fullness of his spirit. I don't want to leave out just the things that I'm, that I'm uncomfortable with. I was uncomfortable with that stuff. I got saved. I got radically saved. I was like, he still doesn't heal. That's, that's, no. That was for the apostles. But then I started to actually get in my word. You, you know what Sundays are? Sundays aren't meant to give you your word for your life. Let, 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 me, let me rephrase that. It's to entice you, to bring you in with a hunger and a passion for you to get in the word. I want to dangle a carrot that makes you so hungry that you want to study out the rest of these chapters. That you want to open, I have a friend, Stephen Bell. He was uh, in the witchcraft from, from the northwest part of America. He was in a hotel room. He opened the Bible from the drawer, the Gideon's Bible that was in that drawer. And all of a sudden, light penetrated him. Physical light came out, struck him in such a way, he gave his heart to Jesus right there. I was, I was watching, uh, anybody else get stuck on reels? Their goal is 17 minutes. Oh, come on, the rest of you raise your hand. I understand we're on this 21-day fast right now. Some of you gave up social media, but all the other times, while well, you're bored or you're on the pot, you're scrolling those reels, just like me. Oh, wait, you're more righteous than that, bringing honor to the Lord's name, as Psalm 23.3 says. But I was watching this one, and these two ladies were standing with purses on the side of the road, and this motorcycle pulls up. I believe it was probably in a different country based on how they were traveling and what it looked like. But all of a sudden, they're trying to steal the woman's purse. This one guy hops off the back, stealing the purse. The other lady grabs a Bible out of her bag, puts it on the man, and all of a sudden, he falls to his knees, repents, and gives his heart to Jesus right there. And then the motorcycle pulls off. He's like, I ain't having any of this. That's the power of the word. It is not just some good literature. It is the absolute truth that is alive and well. heartbroken that we avoid parts of it because we've not personally experienced it. And I'm heartbroken that we avoid parts of it as, as a church, as a body, as a bride. I'm, I'm a fan of the unity of the bride. And I'm heartbroken that there are churches out there that won't dive into some of these chapters and exploit Jesus in this way, in a great way, because they were always meant to be beautiful gifts. They were meant to be an invitation for, for life in the presence, life in power, life in purpose. Holy Spirit is this wind. It's a ruach breath of wind. The same wind that breathed life into Adam's lungs in Genesis is the similar word that breathed into the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It's that same pneuma ruach breath. It's that same wind. And let me just tell you, we are the sailboats, and his wind is Holy Spirit blowing in. It's, it can be used interchangeably with Holy Spirit blowing and propelling us. Without wind, we have no direction. Without wind, a sailboat is absolutely useless. And as you know my story, I totaled a sailboat at an all-inclusive resort. It was a terrible experience. And then I was upside down, out in the middle of the ocean. They had to come out with jet skis and rescue me. <laughs> These are stories for the grandchildren later, all right? And Nicole and the girls, they're watching. They're like, who's the guy out on the sailboat upside down? That, that can't be dad. No, it's dad. My phone's gone. Everything. My whole life was turned upside down. The Lord spoke a word of knowledge to me. I, I kid you not. This is crazy. I, I'm, I'm digressing just a little bit here to talk about how spiritual gifts work. 
He honored the desires of my heart. I could not afford that $20,000 sailboat that I just crashed. And I'm like, oh man, this is bad. Lord, what do I do? I felt the Lord tell me through a word of knowledge, a spiritual gift, go up to your room, grab cash from, the, from your safe, and go to the grocery store that's on, on site, buy a case of beer, and bring it to the guys. I'm going to mess with your theology, theology right now. All right, Lord. I speak their language. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. Thank you for rescuing me. I apologize. I had a 50, and I had a case of beer. Here, for your time and your trouble, thank you for rescuing me. Oh, no problem, brother. Come back for lessons. We take you back out. You not do this ever again. Okay. So I went back. On that same trip, I wrecked my rental van into their passenger van. Lord, what do I do? Go to the safe. Get money. Take them a case of beer. <laughs> the local pitons. So at the end of the week, I'm like, okay, all right. You get that printed out sheet of like, okay, what do I, what do I? Nothing's on there. Woo, Jesus, thank you. I, I know I might be messing with some of you, but, but here's the deal. I, it's, the, it's the first time that Lord uses beer for me to minister to somebody, all right? <laughs> Can I keep on this? Is this fun? I got six more minutes. Let's, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. We're at Bahamas. I'm, I have a tradition with my daughters. When they turn 12, I take them on a missions trip. I'm with Olivia. We're on this fun little trip. We walk to a, a grocery store to get some snacks. He's like, get a case of beer. I felt, I felt the Lord give me a word of knowledge. Get a case of beer. I'm like, okay. Take a case of beer. I'm like, why? So we get back to the car. All of a sudden, I see a taxi stand. And there's six guys in the taxi stand. And I happen to have six beers. We get back to our resort. I take it over. I was like, hey, guys, could I, could I offer you a beer? Oh, yeah. Give them each a beer. And they're like, can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, they all begin to open up. And we begin to pray for every one of those taxi drivers in that stand. And the, the Lord came. A guy was healed. A guy was taught. Like, guys are tearing up. It was this amazing encounter. <laughs> when with lawless be lawless, I guess. I don't know. But the point is there's these spiritual gifts that are used to edify, to comfort, to uplift. Steve did this amazing thing. We're going to get into it here briefly in a second in 1 Corinthians 14 about the point and the purpose of prophecy. <laughs> prophecy is not meant to condemn and push you down and, and squash you. Like, it's not fear. It's always meant to build up. It's always meant there are warnings. There are prophetic words. But that's also to protect and give you provision, insight. But here's the thing, even as we go into verse uh, 12, I think it's verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, let's just go there. I think it's verse 7. A, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? Help each other out. They're probably not caught up to me because I said the whole chapter. So here's the invitation. 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the spiritual gifts. There's grace gifts, there's spiritual gifts. Then it moves into offices, and it's talking about the differences. Steve Justice did an incredible message. Look up his message from a couple years ago on defining each of the spiritual gifts. But here's the deal. There's these spiritual gifts, and there is an invitation. It literally says, earnestly desire them. Let me break that down for you. It actually says, seek after, pursue them, relentlessly want them passionately want them because they're here to, to help each other. They're here to build one another up. And, and let me break down the list for you. There's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gift of healings, works of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirit, speaking in tongues, and, and interpretation of tongues. Now we get real weirded out over tongues. <laughs> I know I was, and I grew up around it. Probably because you haven't experienced it in the godly way that the Lord intended for. And also because it's never been explained to you that there's two types. There's the public edification and the personal edification. There's the public exhortation and the personal edification. All right, let, let me break it down to you this. Okay, so invitation, spiritual gifts. Invitation, offices. Invitation that were parts of the body, right? That's 1 Corinthians 12. Paraphrasing, going super fast now because of my silly sailboat and... Uh, Passenger van story, okay? 1 Corinthians 13 
It's an invitation to love. How do we love? Patiently, with kindness, without envy, without jealousy, without boasting. It's the definition that's read at almost every single wedding you've ever been to, defining love from Paul. It's not just a definition. It's an invitation to love your neighbors like that, to love yourself like that, to love your enemies like that, to love the world like that. It's an invitation to love. So we have an invitation to go deeper. We have an invitation to pursue the gifts, and we have an invitation to love. It talks about these gifts, faith, hope, love, right? But the greatest is what? Love. If you have all these gifts, but you don't have love, what are you? A resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, your noise. And you can actually be more damaging than if you didn't have it at all. It's like giving a kid that's had no training experience or age enough to, with a power drill. Some little boys, they, they'd create some havoc with some power tools. But it doesn't mean it was good havoc. So then we get into 1 Corinthians 14. Now this is the invitation for tongues and prophecy and, and what some of those other gifts are. Now, I want to just break this down for the sake of confusion, for the sake of a bunch of people out there on television and a bunch of people making stuff weird. <laughs> the gifts, tongues, prophecy, none of it was ever meant to be weird. We've made it weird. One, we've not taught enough into it, so therefore we've not experienced it, we've not walked in it. And the other thing is, we've abused it. Prophecy was never meant to be manipulation to make somebody give more money on a TV show. Prophecy was never meant to make you buy some prayer cloth. Prophecy was never meant for you to buy some fancy oil that has an anointing on it that if you get it, once you get it in your home, it's going to be this or that. Prophecy is a word from the Lord that's revealing what you may not yet see in yourself or others. It's revealing what heaven's seeing. It's, it's a love gift from the Father to reveal his heart on things, situations, futures, circumstances, and people. So we get here. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. The spiritual gifts, in other words. What's that? Especially desire the spiritual gifts, right? Then it says, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to who? God. I want you to memory bank that one, okay? Don't brain dump it, memory bank it. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it will also be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Steve Bowen did an amazing little uh, blurb in a video right up here a couple weeks ago and just released it on YouTube, talking about the this type of purpose of prophecy. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Okay? Now there's a second tongues here. Okay? This is the tongues to the congregation, tongues to people, tongues to somebody or an audience, even if it's an audience of one. Versus tongues in a prayer language to God. And another part, Paul says, he says, I'll speak in tongues more than any. And he says, if you have tongues, speak in tongues. If you sing in tongues, if you have, you know, sing in tongues. And he's saying, do both. Pray in tongues, sing in tongues. Now, if we're praying in tongues, who do we pray to? God. Does God need our interpretation? No, it's a prayer language. Let me just say this. God does not need your interpretation of what you're saying to him. If tongues begins to be a public exhortation, a public display, then what needs to happen? Interpretation of those tongues. See, that's, that's where we oftentimes fall short. That person may carry also the interpretation or somebody else in the body. Maybe there's a foot out there because the hand just spoke in tongues to the body. Now there needs to be a foot or something that interprets that to edify the body. Does this make sense? We've, we've lumped all tongues into one thing as the gift of tongues for public exhortation. When there is a personal edification of tongues that is so associated with the infilling of the Holy Spirit called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I might be getting too deep in the weeds right now on this just because there's an invitation for the more. 
But I think sometimes we, we, we need to teach into this stuff because we're hearing it, we're experiencing it. And if I'm in worship and I hear my dad start speaking in tongues and he's in the, in the realm with the Lord, then all of us, I don't need to interpret that. He's having a moment with the Lord. Now, if suddenly it becomes so public that it's to the body, we need to figure that out and we need to pray, okay, Lord, provide the interpretation of that. This is the gifts in operation. This is the order. It's called order. Gifts operate in order. But what we don't want to do is like, okay, man, that was weird last time. We never want to allow that to happen again because people might leave. I learned a long time ago I'd rather have God's presence and freedom than God's people and restriction. Even at the sake of sometimes being wrong. Even at the, sometimes at the sake of maybe not confronting some of the things we should because it's getting really weird. But I'd rather keep freedom here in Jesus' presence and, and, and glorify him than start to control people and control the things that are happening and control the environment. I believe in order. I believe God is a God of order. And we have. We have confronted things that become what we feel is not in order. In a biblical, Jesus-like, loving, caring way to only bring the gift out to what it was intended to be. So let me, let me end with this. I'm sorry, I got a little lengthy here. Psalms 24, 7 through 10. I took all my bookmarkers away. You guys are gonna have to test me in the Bible race. Psalms 24, 7 through 10. I'll ask the whole band to come. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. I believe and I trust Nicole and what Sue said about the gates and what they represent. I also believe they can represent closed-mindedness. The Lord's wanting to come in. The Lord has these invitations and, and he's at the gate. We open it and there, there he is. He's omnipresent. He's already here. I get it. But I think in some areas of our heart, some areas of what we see, there's, there's scales, there's blindness, right? And at times, we just open the gates and man, who knows what will happen. If I remove my ceiling, maybe he'll actually just come in through the roof. The Lord's strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates gates open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter who is the king of glory the lord of heaven's armies he is the king of glory turn with me back to revelations 22 check this out i'm going to finish this out here i promise i'm five to ten minutes away from sealing the deal totally done I promise look I am coming soon blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book I John am the one who heard and saw all these things and when I heard and saw them I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me sometimes his presence is so weighty that we can't even stand <laughs> sometimes when people are, you're seeing people get prayed for, they, they may fall or, or, or sit down because his presence is so weighty at times, we can't even stand in his very presence. That's why oftentimes you see through the Bible that, that they fell down or they bowed down or they worship or they, they fell to the floor, they fell to the, to the feet. In 2 Chronicles 5.14, it says, so the priest could not stand and minister because of the cloud of glory. It says, of the Lord filled the house. I want experiences like that where his glory is so weighty and his presence is so strong that I can't even stand to bear it. I fell down. It says, but he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God. Just like you, your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book, worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha 
and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates, everybody say gates, of the city and eat from the fruit of the tree of life. Now remember, we were already in this chapter just exposing the river. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Now here, check this out, because there's a wedding coming, y'all. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David, David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright and morning star. I am the dawn to a new eternal day, is what he's saying. The spirit and the bride, the groom and the bride, say come. Let anyone who hears this say come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. There's an invitation here. <laughs> Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in the book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's Share in the tree of life in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is faithful, the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Now here we say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Listen, there is an invitation. There's an invitation to go deep. There's an invitation to get deep in the river. There's an invitation to, to, to earnestly desire the gifts. There's an invitation to love well. There's an invitation to, to speak to God, to man, to prophesy, to love. Like there's these invitations, right? But there is an invitation for a wedding. And he's the groom and we're the bride. And I, I when I begin to study Psalms 24 the last couple of weeks or few weeks, I began to see those gates open. And, and for me, I know it's flopped a little bit, but I, I remember when I was waiting for Nicole on our wedding day. And I remember when she appeared, my heart melted. I wasn't yet saved, but at that moment, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. My bride. That's the groom, and when the gates are open, he sees the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Maybe you're in that crevice. Maybe you're upside down. Maybe, maybe you're in comfort. But he came as a good shepherd to restore our souls. He came to pick us up and to massage us, massage us and get us back on our feet and then to celebrate when we were lost but now we're found. To celebrate that we may have been down but now we're up. That's the good shepherd. The good shepherd invites us to his table. That's the amazing thing about the whole story of Psalm 23 and, and the Good Shepherd is David, he wasn't even at the table. He was an outcast of his own family. I know most of you thirdborns already feel that way. But he was an outcast in his own family. And he was out tending the sheep and we think, well, maybe he was in the barn. Maybe he was a few steps away. He may have been miles away, up and down mountains. We don't know where his flock was at the time. It doesn't say but they waited for him because he was called to be king. And every moment of your life, the good shepherd has waited for you because he is the king of kings and you're called to be royalty and you're invited to his table because he restores your soul. Oh, this is really good. If you could stand with me, I believe there's an invitation here for the more. I believe there's an invitation here to ask and you'll receive. I believe there's an invitation. Is anything in his name that you ask, you will receive, that he will give you. I get worked up about this stuff because I'm in love with the king. I'm in love with his word. I'm in love with his promises. I'm in love with the Messiah. I'm in love with the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the high shepherd. I, these are just things that are on my heart. And Lave's coming next week. I have no idea what he's speaking on. 
I, I wanted to share my heart on a few things that we are, we, there's an invitation to go up to the hill, to ascend the hill. There's an invitation that, man, whatever you need restored, whatever you need refreshed, whatever you need redeemed, whatever you need, he's here. Maybe, maybe you're walking close with the Lord, but you've never experienced a, a spiritual gift. Or maybe you've never experienced prophecy in a healthy way. Or maybe you've never had the baptism of Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe you've never walked in something or a powerful or seen a healing. God's here. God's here. Maybe you've never experienced the love that is demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe, maybe you've never even had a Christian demonstrate that unconditional love and that grace or that mercy. God's here. God's here. He's a good shepherd. You know, sometimes the pruning process gets a little hard and it is uncomfortable. If that sheep was cast down because of the long wool and all that, you know the first thing the shepherd's gonna do is actually shave their wool. It's like, oh, man. But both the shepherd and the sheep hate it. The sheep, they, they, they try to run away. They're, they're going crazy. <laughs> Our cat right now smells like a dead animal. We have a barn cat. And I know there's some cat guys in here. I won't call you out by name, but I know there's some cat guys in here. But our cat, every once in a while, I'll come in. I'll be like, oh, the kids let the cat in. And they'll pet on it, and it'll run up to usually Evelyn's bed and lay there for a while, take a nap when it's really cold out or whatever. And, and it's this, this funny thing that we, that we have, this cat. Teeny's its name. And Teeny's a killer. Teeny will bring me full-size fox squirrels, gray squirrels, chipmunk. I mean, you name it. Every day, sometimes in the summer, he's bringing me a dead animal to the door. We're celebrating him. Sometimes the kids are like, oh, that's gross, Teeny. I was like, no, 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 no. Celebrate him. He's wanting affirmation. He's kind of like me. So but right now, this, this, this cat stinks like a dead animal. So we're like, how do you give a cat a bath? And I recall back about three years ago when we first got the cat, and it had outlived nine other cats in a nine-month period. We lost a few, it's hard on our farm. Eight cats died, Teeny survived. So I see, I'm, I'm working on something, I see the girls, it's Hadassah and Evelyn giving the cat a bath. Anybody tried to give a cat a bath? It'd be like shearing a sheep. They don't like it. And when that moment is over, you're both glad it's over. I'm telling you this because there's a connection here that I want the spiritual gifts. I want the more. I want to go deep in the river. But sometimes the process is long. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But when it's over, man, you feel so much better. And you just remove the thread of that thing falling again. And sometimes we need pruned and our, we need sheared and we need, we need some of that excess taken off and some of that dirt and some of that nastiness. And sometimes it's hard in the process, right? It's way easier if you do it before you need it because if you don't, God will do it. And it's easier on both of you if you just take care of it. My mom taught me that. Aaron, God's gonna deal with you. Okay. It's easier if you do it. All right, mom. And sure enough, I had to learn the hard way and God was relentless and he was a good shepherd and he pursued me and I was the one and he ran after me. The buzzards were circling. I was addicted to pornography, was suicidal, was a drunk, was an adulterer. The buzzards were circling. But a good shepherd came after me and rescued me. And ever since that moment, he's just been shearing me, pruning me. That's a long, long, long closing for an invitation to just say, put your hands up. Whatever you want, Jesus is here. He's a good shepherd. So between you and the Lord right now, just ask him. If you want to go deeper, go deeper. If you, want, if you want spiritual gifts, ask for them. If you want the baptism of Holy Spirit, ask for it. If you want the gift of prophecy, ask for it. If you want redeemed in something, ask for it. If you need restored in something, ask for it. If you need to turn away from that sin and be totally free and covered by the blood, just ask for it right now. He's here. He's here. The good shepherd, the king of glory is here. The groom is here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
We ask, we seek, we worship Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You're here. You answer our prayers. We seek you. We find you, Jesus. We knock. You open the door, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. You are here. Lord, we want deep encounters. We want weight of your glory, Jesus. We want a cloud of your glory, Jesus. We want the more, Jesus. We want to be uncomfortable, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. offer a specific invitation I want to be uncomfortable but I personally feel the gifts and the signs and the wonders and his spirit should not be weird I think it should be so common that it may be uncomfortable because we may not be used to it but it's not weird because it's pure because it's to encourage one another it's to bless one another it's to strengthen the body so here, here's what I want if you want a spiritual gift Will you just raise your hand if you want any, any of the spiritual gifts, grace gifts, spiritual gifts, baptism of Holy Spirit, just raise your hand. Now, if somebody's around with their hand raised, will you, will you just turn to them and let's begin to release and impart God's gifts through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. So just keep your hands up. Somebody find somebody to pray with and we're going to release heaven. Maybe ask if there's a specific gift we're going to just ask them what that is. If it's specific, we're going to pray. I want you to pray that specific gift and they receive that. And I want to, I want to pray for that there's an impartation of Holy Spirit. I want to pray that, that, that yes, there's water baptism, but there is baptism in fire and spirit. So Lord, we ask for the baptism of fire, the baptism of spirit. We ask for, for signs, Jesus. We ask for wonders, Lord. We ask for your gifts, Lord, right now. And we ask that they be pure. We ask that they be holy. We ask that they be used to encourage and edify and comfort Jesus. We ask that they're used to love. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Release your spirit now like a ruach breath of wind in Jesus' name. We thank you, Holy Spirit. More. More, Jesus. More. More, Jesus. We thank you. Holy Spirit, we say yes. Come. Like the day of Pentecost, blow through with fire, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We ask for your gifts, and we ask that they make up a body that's in unity, Jesus, that glorifies you, Lord, that does not get perverted, that does not get abused. Thank you, Jesus. impartation is for anybody watching online or listening right now wherever you're sitting whatever you're doing we pray the Holy Spirit will impart to you what you're asking for right now in Jesus name I want to do as they continue to finish up I want to pray one more thing the promise was that he restores our soul if you need anything restored you need passion, desire, those things that we listed earlier. If you need anything restored, I want to just bless you and pray for you as we begin to leave here. Can you just raise your hand? If you need something restored, maybe it's a child to come to the Lord. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's financial stuff. Maybe it's relational things. Maybe it's emotional things. Maybe it's a body issue. I believe in healing. We believe in healing. We believe it's a, it's a gift. We believe in the gift of healing. So if you need anything restored, just raise your hand. Okay, Lord, I pray that as you promised in Psalm 23.3 that you will restore our soul. That you will restore every soul here with hands raised and even those not raised. That you will redeem, refresh, restore, bring back to life, fulfill desires and passions, Jesus, and emotions. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your restoration. We thank you that you came to seek and save that which was lost. You came and endured the cross and paid a price and was broken so we could be whole. We thank you for your redemptive and your restorative and your, your, your gifts, Jesus. 
We thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good, Lord. We thank you for restored marriages. Improved marriages, no matter how good they are. We thank you for restored children and grandchildren. We thank you for restored relationships and future marriages. Future children, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Ah, Lord, we love you. Okay. All right, we're going to be here worshiping as long as anybody needs it. We're going to ask our prayer team to come up. If you need specific prayer for anything, man, if you didn't yet give your heart to Jesus and you want to, come get prayed for and with. We're going to tell you what those next steps are and what discipleship looks like and what some of those fancy church words are and help guide you into the greatest decision and relationship you'll ever have in your life ever. So we love you guys. Bless you. Thanks for coming. Safe, safe travels. Drive slow. Be safe. Bless you guys.